Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the show where we see a movie, we don't talk about the movie, and then we do talk about the movie when we get to the microphone with our freshest of takes, the hottest of takes. Uh, it's a story screen podcast, and I'm Robert Anderson, and I'm joined by uh, not just one handsome boy, but two handsome boys. I'm joined by Jack Kolejewski. Thank you for being here, Jack. It's good to see you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Anytime. And also a very, very handsome, pretty boy with a charming smile and a great mustache. I'm Mike Birch. That's Mike Birch. How you boys doing? Pretty good. Yeah. I'm kind of offended that you haven't said anything about my mustache. Well, I, I just when you've got this also in the room. I mean, it's it's a lot of mustache competition going on. But Jack, I figured because we talk so much about your surfer like physique, that maybe I could give Burge a compliment. Yeah, well, Mike, Burge is I'm I'm just new to the mustache game, and I'm just looking for a little bit of reassurance. Mm. You know, I haven't found any confidence. You need like a confidence. Boost. My mustache is is pretty blonde. And it's fair. It's nubile, but it's it's good. So I'm just I'm just unsure of myself. That's fine. So we saw a movie. Uh, obviously, the movie we saw was the sequel to uh, Denis Villeneuve's. I want to put some spice on it. Put a little extra English on uh, it. We saw uh, Sicario, Day of Soldado. Uh, day, day of Soldado or Day of the Soldado? Fuck. Which one I is just, it? I think it's the Day, day, of, of, the day of the Soldado. Soldado. Thank you, Bridge. So yeah, we just saw that movie. Um, what you guys kind of like hot takes on that? Well, that's the name of the, uh, what that's are your, name of the show. What are, how do you how y'all feeling about this the sequel to this movie? Yo, please you first. Me first. Yeah, uh, I like this movie. I think it's really cool. I think that it is not a very good sequel to Sicario. They're obviously just trying to make this into some kind of a franchise type of thing, which is fine uh the first sicario is like my third favorite denis villeneuve our sweet our sweet denis it's my third favorite movie in his uh filmography uh it's really good it's got a lot to say besides pew pews and i like movies that have things to say unfortunately this movie has the double bad as far as I'm concerned of not really having too much to really say and also dealing with things that are a little too timely and they're dealing with them in such a way that I don't think is going to really land with everybody because it's, it's dealing with, it's dealing with immigration and the Mexican border and people nefariously attempting to cross whether for personal means or for bad naughty things. Uh, and it's it kind of skirts the line just because like right now it, the 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 political landscape of that conversation right now is so volatile and so sensitive um but at the end of the day i gave the film a pass on that because it is dealing with things that actually do happen uh the freak out and everything not to get too political about what's going on on the border right now is is it like the freak out is yeah like people are trying to do some bad stuff and they're getting it in through over there so the country's tightening down on it but they're doing it in ways that they themselves are nefarious and bad and that's like a wholly different conversation than what this movie is dealing with but having that be in such the public psyche on opening weekend for a movie that's dealing 
heavily with the Mexican border and immigration and trying to get over illegally, Mm -hmm. it kind of faults the film a little bit. But also, too, like like I said before, the film doesn't really have anything to really say. It's definitely not commenting anything too special on the matter. No, it's really just kind of carrying on, like, you know, the Josh Brolin and uh, Benicio Del Toro's characters from the first Sicario are... We talked about this before watching the movie. Like, they are the antagonists of the movie. They're the bad guys. Like, even though, like, they're on our main character's side, Emily Blunt, they are constantly being used to rip agency away from her. And just, like, they're using her as a tool. They're doing very bad things uh, for very bad reasons and hiding behind this make-believe moral code. And in this movie, they continue that a little bit, but they're not really... I don't know if it's me giving them the benefit of the doubt that that's how I'm looking at it. Like, I'm the whole movie. I'm looking at Josh Brolin as a bad guy. Like, yeah. the, the first scene when, when we'll get into it with spoilers, yeah. but like it, I'm I'm on that end, and I just think that the movie doesn't really kind of have anything to say. It goes places, but that's I liked it. I think it's like sure. a fun little pulpy thriller, but it doesn't have like that horror aspect that the first one had that I thought was really engaging. Sure. And Jack, how do you feel about this movie? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty conflicted about this movie. Uh, Cause I don't think it even dawned on me, like really what I was getting into here driving until I was driving over. Cause I just thought, Oh, we're going to go see this movie. And like, I enjoyed the first Sicario, but uh, yeah, it's I just a, saw it. Today. It's been a while. I saw it like not long after it came out and mm-hmm. like, I'd need to go back to it and rethink about it and what it's trying to say and, and what it's trying to get at. Like I, I found it really entertaining, but probably was not in the same headspace where I was thinking about it as much. Right. Um, but right off the bat, like seeing a movie deal with this sort of subject matter, especially with the way this movie opens felt gross in a way that, was hard for me to get over for the rest of the movie. Um, It's hard to see a movie open at the U.S.-Mexican border and then very quickly get into ideas about terrorists, capital T terrorists, crossing the border um, through Mexico um, and then move straight to like a U.S. operative torturing someone by way of drone strike. Um, and not feel completely disgusting about it, um, especially in a way that, like you said, Mike, I clearly Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin's characters in this movie are antagonists, but they are also the main characters of the film in a way that I don't think they. I my worry because I find everything that they do in this movie to be repulsive, pretty much. But my worry is that the movie does not really find those. I don't know if the movie is being subtle in the way that this is a situation that is complicated and there are bad people involved. Like it it is complicated and there are a lot of bad people involved and there are a lot of bad players involved. U.S. government being one of those bad players, as well as the players on the other side of the border. And I just don't think this movie has enough to like you said it doesn't have enough to say one way or another other than this is pretty fucked anyway look at it um but i don't even think it says that loudly enough uh 
and yeah, I, it's listen, it's hard for me to watch a movie like this when we're dealing with where we're two days out from a travel ban from primarily Muslim countries going through in the Supreme Court, one that is pretty blatantly a racist is is tied to racist sentiment and being used uh, as a tool to um, propagate racist sen- sentiment uh, to see, you know, some some border shit and some border shit involving like terrorists. It's I, I want to talk about it specifically when we get to spoilers. Sure. Like I'm trying really hard not to spoil it, but yeah, especially in the opening 20 minutes of this movie, I was ready to get up and leave. Yeah, you said to me, you're just like, I don't know if I want to watch this. I movie. don't want to like, watch two this. minutes into. I it, yeah. I also felt like kind of my maybe like summary of like kind of what Jack's feeling uh, when I was watching the first like you know almost the first 20 minutes of the movie to me Pretty felt much like the almost full the. Full first act. For, yeah, the full first act of the movie to me, I'm just like, is this like, am I watching like a propaganda yeah, video? Yeah, and I, and, and, like, and, 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 see, I was, and that's where I'm saying that that's where I think the movie really follies because I do like it. I do like what it's doing. I do like the story. I like the continuation of Benicio del Toro's ghost character uh, because I feel like his character choices are made throughout the movie by characters that we've either been with for a while or that we're introduced to and at the end of the movie some other choices start coming up and Benicio Del Toro's choices are the ones that I find the most engaging because he's the one that actually has somewhat of an arc if you even want to call it that he's the most interesting character he's the most interesting he's like they're both anti-heroes right and you know they go from being antagonists to anti-heroes which is a hard sell, but and I, I'll buy I just, it if you. I just don't think it's earned. If you have a reason for it, I like, don't think it's they, earned. And they don't. They don't have. Let's a reason. Uh, let's pull it back and and I know Jack has been a while since you've seen the first movie. I just saw it today, and I'm not sure how recently you saw it, uh, Verge. Uh, I saw it in theaters when it came out. Sure. So I've seen the most recently, um, but we all pretty much remember the premise of the movie. But I think the first Sicario deals with morality. I think very well where it positions Brolin and Del Toro's character as these kind of like means to an end, but you're not necessarily supposed to agree with it. But, you know, what Denis did with that movie had like kind of three pillars of morality and then had someone be like the really, the the heroine of the movie was like a very outspoken character and she was kind of the, not so much like the audience surrogate because like, I'm not sure if you're made to agree with her, but she was an idealist. She was an idealist, exactly. So like, and by she's having more of a her proxy too, like exactly. as she's learning about this nefarious world, so, so are we by having blindsided exactly. when she does, and by having this pillar, it makes you kind of stomach the other two uh, antagonists, Brolin and Del Toro, a little bit better. Be- you know, they're doing these dastardly things; they're doing these things outside of the law to stir up a pot and to like basically get cartel people to make mistakes so they can catch them and. Kind of, kind of corner them in legal scenarios. Um, in this movie, without having an idealistic character with the complete absence of someone um, you like don't have that, a juxtaposition. there's nothing. Yeah, and like for me, the whole movie, if there the emotional like resonance in this movie for me is just like a flat line, and I think that's the biggest flaw in the movie. Is like I like there are times where like characters you're supposed to like are seemingly murdered and i didn't even like flinch in my seat <laughs> like i just didn't even care yeah. you know i just didn't really uh besides like you know the, the only things i kind of felt emotionally like pinging me were some of like what jack was saying where i i was kind of like I, i'm not into kind of what this movie's pitching necessarily you know and the whole time i felt like i was really 
trying to pay close attention to what exactly this movie was pitching, if anything. And through to the end, I'm not sure I got it, which to me just feels like it's not trying to say anything. And it's, it, it, if it is, maybe it's just me. It just didn't land. But again, the opening to this movie felt so gross that I was not ready to give it the benefit of the doubt for the rest of the movie. I yep. was, I was suspicious of the rest of the movie. And it never proved to me that any of these horrible things that these characters are doing have any sort of consequence. One of the worst things about the first one that I found after it came out is a lot of people were coming out being like, because they announced that they were going to do a second one before Sicario was even widely released. They were like, we're going to do another one. I think they said they were going to do two more. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was originally called Soldado. And then they gave it Sicario Day of the Soldado because Sicario was so successful. And they were like, oh, get the name in there. Same thing with like the Dark Knight Rises had a different name. But then they were like, get Dark Knight in there. Uh, and when people came Which, out of there, can we talk about this for a second? That okay. title just sounds fucking silly. Like, Dark Knight Rises? No, no, no. <laughs> Sicario Day of the Soldado. Yeah. If it was just Soldado, cool, cool, great. Sicario Day of the Soldado yeah. sounds like a a directed DVD sequel. Well, that's very much like what this movie probably would have been if it wasn't for the huge like success. critical and box office success of the first one. But people were coming out of that first movie saying like, "Man, Benicio del Toro is such a badass." Which is, I think, like what a cool guy, and it's like, no, that guy is a literal monster. Is very, very bad. Yeah. He's a very, very bad man. And I and think- same with Josh Brolin. Like that guy tortures people, and he likes it. Yes. He never. It's like his favorite part of the job. They never shy away from that. No. And it's the same thing with this movie. Is everything that they are doing that they are presenting to us is being shown as being nefarious and deadly and terrible and monstrous. But the thing is, this movie does not have the artistic craftsmanship of Roger Deakins and and Denis Villeneuve behind it, capturing all of it visually and tonally to, ex- to express subversively that yeah. these guys are bad, yes. even though you're hanging around with them a lot and our good guys are talking to them and they're not shooting them. This movie doesn't really have that, and that's where it kind of starts wading into this, like, is this propaganda? Is this, like, Am I watching pushing America's this agenda Cyber? kind of thing? Like, it and like it's that. not. But it's and not, we can but talk about not. that more specifics with spoilers, sure. because there are specific things that they do in the end, close to the end of the second act into the third act that solidify what the movie is attempting to say. It's just not very smart, and it's trying to say something that you need to be very careful about how you say it or you're going to come across or kind of racist. Well, that's the thing. Xenophobic at the very least. I I think that if you think that people walked out of Sicario and got the wrong message about those characters. Oh, people are going to not get this movie. This, this movie is going to be a hundred times worse. Well, I think we've heard it. It's Mm -hmm. because exactly what you said as well. Well, it's two things. It's the, I think the artistic flair that the original Sicario had, having some very, very strong directors and cinematographers involved. Yeah. And like Robbie said, not having that that character that has a sense of morality in the mix to reflect upon mm-hmm. the way that Benicio del Toro 
and Josh Brolin's characters are acting. Like, you don't have a foil to those characters. The movie, movie just portrays them as a couple of badasses who are a means to an end. And that is not the, that it's not a movie I'm really into. And especially when they're dealing with, and I think Burge is right that when you get into the, the later two thirds of the movie, uh, the movie's not so much feeling so much like propaganda or kind of like American chauvinism. Um, but, the air of it's still there and I'm not really quite sure what the movie is trying to say by the end of it. I just know that it's not as racist or xenophobic as I thought in the, in the beginning of it, you know? For me, I was, I was just hoping that for, I was hoping that there would be some consequences for the actions of these bad people and there are none. Yeah. The one time I thought, I thought someone was going to get their comeuppance in the movie. They took that away from me too. And I'm just like, all right. So I don't really And we'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah. But when that turn happens, I'm like, I was like, okay, actually, you know what? Maybe this yes. is cool. Maybe this is, this is like saying something about this and is bringing about repercussions for these people who are doing very bad things. And then they take that away. I think um, I bring this allegory a lot or like kind of like comparison a lot. Uh, I really like the show Dexter. I like the first like four seasons of Dexter when he's like an anti. He's he's really the, he's an antihero. He's like a he's a serial killer who wants other serial killers. By the end of the day, he's a bad dude. And his first person narration kind of explains that he's like, I do this because I have to. I don't really care about being good. That's not really something I even understand. Right. I'm just kind of doing this because it's it's the best way to satisfy my thirst for murder. And in those first four seasons, there are consequences. There are consequences for for his actions. And he's, and then, um, when the writing staff changed and you get season, um, five and beyond, more more so like, I think when you get to like this season six area, they really kind of make him a hero. They go a long way. They go a long way to try to make him a hero. And I'm just like, I don't think that that's like, I'm interested in watching character about bad people as long as like we're all on the same page that this person's bad, right? Right. Like, I'm not going to watch that Dahmer movie and be like, man, he was really a good guy. Yeah. And and there's something to be said for movies that deal with complicated situations, like the situation that we have with The Border, which is a very complex situation, and dealing with it with a level of ambiguity and portraying just how fucked up a situation it is. Yeah. And maybe even getting at some of the root causes of why those things are so fucked up in the first place. I just don't know if this movie had the the subtlety to handle those things it's in tactless. a way it felt yeah, pretty that's tactless. The, the, it's tactless that's the the big crux of the movie is that it it's talking about these really big things and i just don't think you know when somebody's talking to you about something and you get that feeling that they don't really know kind of what they're talking about they're just kind of like saying it for the sake of being in the conversation or repeating something else that they've yeah, or just and like or expressing like an opinion yeah. that they've formed that they've claimed as their own but they really don't know how to explain it back it up uh, divulge in it open it up for you so you can really see where it's coming from that's the the movie is just like it's trying to say something that's important it's trying to say something that like Taylor Sheridan the guy that wrote this has written like has written three other movies two of which are are important for this that he wrote the first Sicario and that came out and then he wrote Hell or High Water and Hell or High Water is a very good movie. Yeah. And it comes out and it's right in the middle of this kind of uh political position in America where the middle class read 
white people are feeling like the the poverty line is starting to encroach on them and that the government is trying to fuck them over and that the American dream is dead and Helen Highwater Heller Highwater very much deals with that and he wrote this movie and they made this movie about a year and a half before that actually became a thing and it's one of those things where artists kind of have their finger on the pulse uh, ahead of the curb hmm. if you may say and I wouldn't they, say that actually. I would yeah, probably say, say curve. curve. Yeah, yeah. that probably be the best. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. And it's same thing with this. I think it's like he's dealing with immigration. And if this movie had come out uh, maybe uh, like three or four months ago, before this had become a very gigantic deal with the separation of uh, Mexican families and immigrant families coming from children, and also with the Muslim travel ban actually getting through in the Supreme Court, which I would say that none of us actually thought was going to happen yeah. a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was a possibility, but we never thought that uh, we're we're the, that kind of bad guy. Like, I know that we're the bad guys, but like, yeah. wow, we're really this the bad guys. Right I mean, now. honestly, we're at a point, and it's it's we're at a point where something happens just about every day that I can't believe. Happened. Yeah, right. And that ever happened. And that's and once we get into spoilies. We can really divulge into and I think have much more interesting conversations about what this movie is trying to say and whether it works out or not. Yeah. But I think that that's what the movie is trying to say is that it's taking these two dudes that were bad guys in the first film and it's now creating anti-heroes out of them and attempting to create some kind of arc wherein they themselves or we the audience realize about them that they are the bad guys and they in some way realize like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, we do this. And we like it, or maybe we don't, but we do it for these reasons. And now these reasons are starting to, you know, you can only swim in a pool for so long before you start to prune kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what the movie is attempting to do, especially in its third act with some reveals and some twists and stuff like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, even if that is what they're trying to do, they don't pull it off successfully because, again, it's very tactless and I don't think they're thinking about it. That said, I think as far as like the way this movie is made, I th- I think it's pretty well shot. Like it looks good. They're looks ripping good. off. They're ripping off Roger Deakins and yeah, Bill they can. Yeah. very much. And, and, they can. and it looks good. <laughs> and the acting is pretty good. The soundtrack is dog shit because it's just ominous tones the entire fucking time. Yeah, yeah. it's it's Johan Johansson is known for being able to take like really mediocre ominous stuff and create something transcendent out of it. Like that Sicario theme is fucking awesome. And it's just like three notes, just mm-hmm. like slow. Yeah. And it's, and they just use that one. And that's really the only memorable music score as far as I'm concerned that, that I can remember. Yeah. From this movie or from, from this Sicario? movie? Yeah. This movie. I mean, it's the only song really in the first this one. This like, movie they just keep using that. is just an ominous tone the entire time to the point where it felt like parody at some point. When you get towards the end of it, it's really like, it's like, it's, this, for, this is what you guys are it's, using. It's forgetting Sarah Marshall. He's like, I don't write fucking music. I just write dark tones. No. Like that's this movie. The first Sicario was a couple of artistic people really getting together and creating an amazing collage and portrait of something. This one is literally, or not literally, I guess, but metaphorically, (laughs) uh, or maybe literally, uh, paint by numbers. Yeah. They were like, well, I guess this worked over there. They know they've got the manual, the how-to. They just don't understand why. And a movie that deals with these gray areas with around these very real life, very complicated situations the 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 difference between a movie that handles it well and a movie that totally fumbles it is like a hair's breadth. It is so yeah. such a fine line to walk, and I just don't and think especially what they're talking about exactly. It's and a especially fine line today, yes. yeah. June twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. Like 
when we saw this movie opening night, I'm really interested to see a, if anyone at all goes to see this movie because the marketing is pretty awful as well. Uh, it's not great. And B, because what's, what's the one thing that stands out to you the, from the marketing of this movie? I don't Michio know. Del Toro. Doing the finger thing, right? With oh the yeah. The stupid ass like the, finger, like that was stupid, which might be some sort of gangbanger thing. I don't fucking know, but like, I'm curious to see what the discourse um, around this movie is in the next couple of days. We'll see. If anyone goes to see it at all. I was telling uh, Burge, like, because we're talking about the first movie, and like, I, I, I when I watched it this morning, uh, I, I liked it, but also kind of mulling over how much I liked it and some of like, well, maybe the extra themes in the movie would have been some of the more overarching stuff you have to dig a little bit deeper for. And also on Burge, I was just like, so, you know, normally, like, the subgenre of just like paramilitary hunting drug cartels is just not really my thing. Right. I've never really been into stories like that. Like, I'm surprised I even got, like, as into Breaking Bad as I did. Because it's almost like, it's a very much, like, especially in the early 2000s, you got a lot of movies that were like this. I feel like just yeah. kind of, like, you're following, like, a military group trying to, like, stop some, like, drug bust, things like that. Um, and then you get Sicario, which is kind of like, you know, the educated man's version of that movie. Much like how, I think, like, Hurt Locker is, like, the educated person educated movie about like you know being a soldier and like yeah. what that means and what it does to your psyche um so Very Cardio, underrated guy pierce performance in the hurt locker yeah agreed it's kind of like jughead as well like mm -hmm. it's a more of a jarhead oh uh, yeah jughead is archie's is best a, friend that's a comic yeah sorry no <laughs> sorry. i was like jughead from riverdale tell us more i haven't started watching <laughs> yeah no jarhead jarhead is jarhead fantastic yeah. yes because they deal with a, some of the more mundane things about the situations, Very but much, e, yeah. B, mm -hmm. also like they don't glorify them in the way that yeah. no. most. But, and and I, maybe that's the word here is like it feels a little bit too leaning too heavily into glorifying some of the stuff that's going on here. Agreed. Because mm -hmm. it feels like Mission Impossible Forever War, where mm -hmm. like your main protagonist is a, a paramilitary yeah. person employed by the government to do covert ops that start wars with foreign mm -hmm. governments it's yeah. what you're saying it's what you've been saying too this whole time which is the best point about it is that it's there's no comeuppance there's no consequences for these no. things yeah. and i think that, i think that deep down that that's what the movie is trying to do then but they're do not it. communicating it <sighs> communicating tough. it correctly yeah and it's like and again once we get into the spoilies we can talk specifically about how they might redeem these certain characters or make sense of what this movie's theme or what this movie's trying to say i think uh i think it's time we break into spoilies the one last thing i want to sure. say to hammer that point home is there were moments in this movie where josh brolin's character would say something that is not funny at all and there are people, <laughs> people in the, the audience laughing. openly laughing yeah. about it like because they see him as the hero, as yeah. this charming, you know, badass. Right. And it's, things that come out of his mouth are funny. Yeah. Or it's, like the, it's a problem the first one had as well. Like people were like, oh, Benicio Del Toro's a badass. He got revenge and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, that's not the point of this. Like you're completely missing the point. And it's like as a, as a piece of art, it's going to be interpreted in different ways. And some people who are maybe just not plugged into what's actually going on, they're going to be like, oh, this is somebody that I can identify with. This is my hero. And unfortunately, that's kind of just like the flip of the coin yeah. of just throwing art out into the world in major movie theaters and just having anybody go see them. Yeah. I, I just think there needs to be, if you're going to do something like that, there needs to be some level of empathy baked in. Absolutely. And there is none of that here. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, I always like to ask before we break into spoilers, would you guys recommend seeing this movie in the theater? <sighs> kind of no. Yeah. Definitely not. I kind of also agree with you. I, I think this movie is kind of a overall pass. If you've seen the original Sicario and are very curious to see what this movie is all about, and if this conversation we're having now, like, kind of, you know, has inspired you to see kind of what the controversy could be, I would, I would recommend checking it out then. But otherwise, I would say pass. Burge, what do you think? As a sequel to Sicario, it's kind of stu- it's very stupid. Um, but I as just like kind of like a pulpy thriller, it's a lot of fun. And also, I think it might be kind of important for people that you know listen to podcasts about movies and are interested in the discussion. I think it's a really interesting movie that in the next couple of weeks, if not months, is going to kind of be this not necessarily divisive thing in the sense of something like Solo or The Last Jedi or something like that, but I think it is going to be a conversation that it's going to create some think pieces that are probably going to be really worth reading. And if being able to read those things and be a part of the conversation in that and understanding what's going on as far as cinematically portraying these kind of real world touchy things, it's worth the two hours and two minutes to just like check it out so you know what people are talking about. But at the end of the day, it's just like uh, within yeah. the within the first need it. within the first yeah. fifteen minutes, I really was battling with. I don't want to see this or participate yeah. with this, but also I need to see it through to see if at any point it takes this anywhere or where it takes it to be yeah. able to participate in that conversation. But I gotta say, probably if I was not involved in this i probably would have not watched the rest of that movie yeah i think i agree with you all right so that's how we feel spoiler free impressions of sicario uh two day of the i don't care um <laughs> we're gonna get soldado oh you don't care huh do you <laughs> why do you? because it's not an english word robbie oh well the i just colors i noticed i noticed you said all three of the english words in there you guys are going to get the think piece tomorrow about how Robbie got kicked out of story screen for being, I guess, a racist. So we're going to come back uh, and do... <laughs> Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Robbie is canceled. Make some headlines. <laughs> you got to get some press. Story screen podcast fires their most talented member because he racist. He's so racist. We're going to come back and we're going to talk spoilers about Sicario um, and maybe tell you guys why we kind of get into specifics about the things we find problematic and maybe try to find some gems in there that make the movie worthwhile. Or maybe not. We're going to try. We'll be right back after this break. It's all right, Robbie. We'll just tell him you were an ambient. I was like, yeah, well, that's one of the known side effects. Yeah. Racism? Hey, guys. Mike Burge popping in here again real quick to let you guys know about all the really awesome new stuff that we've got going on uh, as far as social media and the interwebs is concerned with StoryScreen. Uh, as always, of course, StoryScreenBeacon.com is still continuing to churn out articles and reviews on a more weekly basis. And of course, we are also usually uploading anywhere between two and three podcasts a week because we're awesome. But you can also check us out over on Vimeo, where under Story Screen Beacon, which is our uh, label over there, our handle, so to speak, uh, we have all the teasers that we've ever created um, for all of the trailer reels before different screenings that we've done. We also have our uh, best of 2017 
list compilation video, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we've mentioned this on previous podcasts before, but we really want to push for people to get over there because if we can start generating some clicks, we can start uh, making some more videos and uh, start really pumping in some time in there. Uh, we have an idea to start doing um, video uh, commentary and video uh, reviews and analyses and uh, we really want to start generating that and we want to see if maybe some of our podcast listeners would uh, be interested in kind of jumping over and every now and then having maybe like a little short seven to ten minute video uh, kind of going over different things that we might have talked about in previous podcast episodes but going in there a little bit more in depth and also with some uh, fun visual guides. So uh, hit us up in any comments, whether it's on uh, Instagram or Twitter, uh, which you can find all those handles on our website, storyscreenbeacon.com. Communicate with us. Let us know exactly uh, what we can do that would be exciting for you guys uh, in a different way, Um, except for uh, we will always do tangents. That's just um, that's our thing. We're going to do that. Okay, back to the show. Welcome back to Hot Takes, the show where we talk about movies right after seeing them. Hey, that's a short way to say it. We're talking about uh, Sicario 2, Day of the Sub- Soldado. Soldado. Maybe I'll get it right by the end of it. Uh, before we go into spoilers for that movie, we're also going to be talking a lot of spoilers for uh, the first Sicario, uh, which I really, I think we all really recommend seeing at least that movie. It's one of the best movies of 2015. Yeah, so if you don't see want... See that movie instead. Before you <laughs> yeah, see exactly. Movie. So, you know, for anyone who's listened to this and maybe haven't, has not seen the first Sicario and doesn't want that spoiled, also maybe, you know, pause us, get back to us later. But we're going to break into it. Um, so, yeah. Spoilies. What's kind of maybe the first bone to pick with this I mean, this can movie? we talk about the, the opening? Yeah. The, uh, I just the suicide, the suicide the, like, bombings. Opening. I mean, I think we kind of... Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I want to talk I about the opening directly. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, right. Because... The opening of this movie is border control helicopters flying over a group of people trying to cross the Mexican border. Into Texas, yeah. Into Texas, from Mexico into Texas. They surround the people. One of them goes to a, runs off, goes to a backpack, starts speaking, says like Allah Akbar, and then blows himself up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts very quickly to... Uh, more like border control agents kind of casing the scene the next day cuts immediately to prayer rugs mm-hmm. just on the ground. So like you are juxtaposing the imagery of someone blowing themselves up with prayer rugs. Mm-hmm. Bad. Again, it's because tactless, because tactless, tactless but th- this, this stuff Happens. It does, but, but it's tactless but how they do it. Doing in the movie, those I shots agree. right next to each other. Yes, yes. Things have meaning, and when again two days out from a effectively Muslim ban, like going through the Supreme Court, putting editing your scene from someone blowing themselves up to a prayer rug is bad imagery. That is purposefully or not like. It is making an association that is not yes. good. And I think, again, I think that the movie is attempting to do that on purpose because they are building towards the 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 revelation, whether just to the audience or the characters, that Josh Brolin and his ilk are 
terrorists are terrorists in Mexico when they are going in there and they are terrorists in these other countries. And I think that in the third act, they have this revelation where Josh Brolin does and, or at least the audience is supposed to. So I think that that's why they go so heavy handed on that because the next scene that you're going to talk about after the, the prayer store. rugs is the grocery store. And we see, um, three or four, uh, brown skinned, Individuals go into. They the say grocery at some store. point they're Yemeni, right? And they go in the grocery store and they blow it up. They suicide bomb it. Um, and it's not until three quarters through the movie that where it they is say, that it is revealed that it's like you just naturally assumed because of the things that we gave you, uh, someone uh, praying to Allah and then blowing themselves up on the border and then prayer rugs. You assume that these people that we showed you in the next scene were connected with that. Just because of the, they are terrorists and the color of their skin and the cinematic and it, language of the movie. Exactly, tell yeah. you that yeah. right, and it's like that's what they wanted you to think. <clears throat> and then in the end, it's revealed to not only the audience but to Josh Brolin, one of our main characters, that they're from New Jersey. Right, yeah. like it, it was already figured it out, and it's like we need to clean this up because now we look like fucking idiots. And they say the word, it's like it changes, changes the, the narrative. narrative. Yes, and it's and that's what the movie is trying to do. Do I think that it is smart enough to do it? No. But those five seconds where they say it changes the narrative doesn't change the other like associations that they're making. That are I, I just don't think it handles it well enough. Josh, okay, it's, it's not that. smart. Josh Brolin and his other entourage of characters don't change so much. Where the film's narrative actually changes to the audience, which yes. is, I think, what that mechanic is trying to do. Yes, you know? like they're sprinkling that stuff in there, but like that is not. Again, no one's reacting to it. And the beginning of the movie, I think, one of the my biggest complaints about the beginning of the movie, beside like those things to it, you don't see a main fucking character in this movie, and for like ten minutes, yeah, right. And it's it's bad filmmaking. Like, I'm sorry, it's just yeah, not it's, good. It's like, it's not. It's not bad filmmaking. It's it's taking a different approach to it and in the hands of somebody else. Like, you look at the structure of the first Sicario and it is kind of all over the place. They don't really get to, like, the main crux until about over half an hour into the movie. Sure. And it's the same thing with this one. We don't get to the main point of the movie until about an hour in, which is going to be uh, Benicio Del Toro's character uh, having to take care of this girl uh, across, like, the... Uh, the desert borders leading from Mexico into Texas. Right. But I mean, I mean, you say they don't introduce a main character until 10 minutes into the movie. And then yeah. it's another, like probably 30 minutes until they introduce Benicio del Toro. And name me like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> That's wait, 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 wait. We're just gonna, just let this, just, just let it happen. We're just yeah. gonna, just a nice glass. Baby yeah. can, uh, can drink again. So he's doing it. Jack, you really have control over your bodily function. His stream is insane. Oh yeah, yeah. That was my urine. Yeah, and that uh, glass was like five at least feet eight feet away. Yeah, yeah, five I know. feet. I know. That's being. That's, that's being. That was. Like Let me tell you. This, the pee. Mm. This is what. This is what they come. This is what. This is what they come for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there. Name me one character in this movie that's not morally repugnant. I mean, Isabel is 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 kind of i really like how she is presented as like this kind of very independent soul even regardless of her age because she feels entitled because her father is connected with all this stuff like the first scene we see with her she's beating up a girl calls her like a like a bitch i think a narco whore is what she said well that's well, the, what the she girl the girl called uh isabella narco whore 
Oh, oh. And, and then, then she, because she's, oh, you see later. Right, right, right. Yeah, I see. And, uh, and then she like pretty much just like very easily blackmails like the dean of the school or whoever that, like the principal. Oh, it's the Swede. The what? The Swede. You didn't watch, um, Hell on Wheels? Nobody? No. Nobody watched Hell, That's on, Wheels. Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels. The AMC show with yeah. Common? Yeah. I really want to watch that it's show. It's actually pretty good. I've heard really good things it's about really it. It's really good. Yeah, really? it's very underrated. It's a, I it's do want to watch it. It's a I hidden gem. Low Winter Sun was the AMC show that like you would see the commercials for after Breaking Bad. And I was just like, I guess I'm not into AMC shows. Because they tried to put Low Winter Sun down your throat so hard. Well, they were like, oh no, Breaking Bad is ending. It's coming to an Shit. end. Uh, well, Hell on Wheels went like four or five seasons, seasons I want to say. That's it it lasts a long, it lasts a long time. Yeah. That's, damn. It's pretty good. I didn't see it through to the end, but uh, the stuff that I did see was solid. There's some like martial arts movie on AMC. Martial arts show on AMC that like I heard is pretty good too. I think it's like Blade of Into something. Into the Badlands? Into the Badlands. Yeah. I hear it's like pretty cool. I hear it's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to check that out. Anyway, Isabel, uh, <laughs> you know, like she's given like depth. Like she's not just like a goody two-shoes. Sure. But at the end of the day, she's the one that's like, I love how she's figuring shit out too. Like that's one of my favorite parts of the movie was like they kidnap her. They try to make it seem like they, the DEA like saved her while she was in Texas. Now they're bringing her back. And the whole time she's like, wait, right. what, what the, the fuck, fuck is going actually going on, on here? here? Yeah. yeah. And I, it, it's, uh, it's pretty neat. Um, again, the movie, I don't want to think of the movie as a sequel to Sicario because like all of the connections that they make to it, are very pointless. Like you don't need to reveal that like Benicio del Toro's daughter was deaf to yeah. have him like no sign language. This guy is like a world feared, globally hitman. known hitman. Like yeah. he can know a couple languages and sign language. Also, again, is this like the year for sign language? Yeah, we well, are it's getting been a couple years. It's been a couple years, I yeah. guess. I mean, like I guess last year was like the year of poisoning mushrooms. Like, every movie last year had, like, poison mushrooms in it. We got some sign language last year with Planet of the Apes also. And John exactly, Wick. Exactly, yeah. And John, John Wick 2. John Wick oh, yeah. 2, Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really Sign up. language looks good on on screen. Yeah. That's it. Agreed. The weird thing about that scene, though, was it didn't seem like Benicio Del Toro knew sign language at first. He had to, like, remember. That was it. weird. It was weird, I mean, right? maybe he no, did no, have he to probably remember. probably hadn't used it, it had, for a while. He hadn't yeah. used it for a while. Yeah. yeah. And then it just kind of came back to him. I just like he's he's doing the whole silent thing. I'm like, they threw your deaf daughter in a thing of acid. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, like, and I like too that uh, you know, the movie they've said that going in, Taylor Sheridan and this director, they wanted to um they wanted to try and make it as like an anthology kind of movie where you didn't have to have seen the first one to really get it. And that was one thing that kind of led me to believe that it might be a, a hidden prequel, like a secret prequel kind of thing. Which would have been so much better than what we got. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if it was the same goddamn movie, and at one point they were just like, "By the way, you gotta go meet that young green buck, uh, oh, Mister Brolin." It's, it's, it, you just gotta go like over there and, and talk to her about the drug cartels. Like, even they, if it was a story about like how Benicio del Toro becomes the ghost, like I'd watch that movie. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's probably what they originally intended to do. Yeah. When it was called Soldado. And I do know that this script went through like multiple rewrites. There was like the first draft had Emily Blunt's character in it. Yeah. And they decided to get rid of her just because like that's a good idea. Well, her, it's like there's yeah. the arc. We talked about this. Her arc, her arc is, is done. done. And yeah. to shoehorn her in there and just like 
some kind of cameo to like bring her back into this world for no reason would just completely discredit that and kind of be disrespectful, tactless. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised the movie yeah, didn't exactly. do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one smart move on their part. Um, yeah. I mean, the movie we ended up getting is just, just not very impressive. And yeah, the whole movie is just very tactless. And I don't understand. I just don't understand why the movie even exists. Like I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's the whole movie because, because it has a serious lack of empathy. It might be like, I think the overarching, like the biggest problem with the movie is that there's no reason to feel bad for anybody. The thing is there are, you can see that there are shades of social commentary in there. Like, there's a scene where they define terrorism, right? And terrorism, he defines terrorism as using violence to achieve a political goal, which is ze- exactly what Josh Brolin and uh, Benicio Del Toro's characters are doing. And again, that's what the movie's... And that's yeah. what it's, that is what it is inherently about. Yeah, it's but, a politician stands up and says, you know what terrorism is? It's this. So the drug anyway, cartels you gotta go count, do this. and by the way, we need you now to go do a bunch of violence to achieve this political goal. Yeah. And it's like, they're all just sitting there, and they think that because they wear suits and ties, and they sit in air-conditioned offices, and that they're on a government's payroll, that they themselves are not terrorists. And I think yeah. the movie is attempting to push that idea by the first third being seeming very propaganda-ish, mm-hmm. and seeming like... Are they are they condoning this kind of stuff? Because this is kind of fucked up. And then they they turn it on you a little bit where they go, now they realize that they're doing equally monstrous, if not more monstrous things. And it's just the movie does not communicate that well. And I think yeah. the reason that it doesn't land and it doesn't communicate that is because it does not end with any sort of meaningful, tangible consequence for the yeah. players that are doing this. There's no tangible comeuppance for anybody. When ben- when Benicio Del Toro is laying face down in the dirt and is shot in the head, I was like, all right. What a beautiful end for that character. Yeah, well, it, 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 I mean, like- and I think that that's like, that was his plan. That's why he put the, he was like, they're going to kill, like, I've been, I've, like, if I get caught, they're going to kill me. But it doesn't matter. Away. But, they're going, they're not going to kill her because they can use her. If I make sure that they know that she is Reyes's daughter before they kill me, they're not going to kill her. So he puts the, the transponder in there and he's like, they're going to kill me. Josh Brolin is going to see that they killed me and he's going to know that this was something that I believed in that I was, that was worth dying for for me. And he's not going to kill her. Because I know him and he'll do that. And I think that's what his goal was. And he went there and he knew he was going to get fucking killed. He got shot in the head. He didn't expect that didn't survive. to survive. And that's when he wakes up. He's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Shit. And so and it's like his plan works. And I find that interesting that he did sacrifice himself at the end of the day to try and save somebody that reminded him of his daughter. Which he very much kind of almost does in the first one as well. With Emily Blunt's character, he yeah. says, reminds yeah. him. Of someone he loved, which is supposed to be taken as kind of sexual at first, but then we realize it's more fatherly and protective. But double nailing that nail into the coffin is not that fun two movies across, especially when you see both of them in the same day like I did. Absolutely. It's like, like, oh, this is, he just has the same kryptonite no matter what. Just give him all the little girls. And and one is way way more interesting. Yeah, guess what? (laughs) It's... I mean, when he gets shot and it, it, there's a close up on his face, or there's a shot of him laying in the dirt, and you can pretty much, you can tell it's like in his cheek. Yeah. Even though his head's covered, I was like, oh, that's not necessarily fatal, is it? I really thought they killed him. 
I, was, I mean, there's like the I obvious very bag over the head, did. so it could be somebody. But I'm like, there's no way that he could have, like, unless they just did that to scare the girl. Yeah. And like, that's what I was like, maybe that's the out here. But then they cut back to him. And I, I find it more interesting that like, it was kind of fucked up because like the person had never shot somebody in the head before. Right. It was dark. Right. Uh, yeah. The other people were just like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, I find that reveal way more interesting than just like, oh, those <laughs> clever little... Mexican cocktail dudes, they just, uh, they, 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 they hit him in another truck and, and shot somebody else. No, yeah, I thought they were almost going to do something like that. I was, I was hoping he was dead. I was also hoping he was I dead. Because I thought that would have yeah. been like a more, that would have been a more meaningful thing. And the fact that he, you know, I do actually like the, the scenes of him like kidding up and like very revenant-esque like just dealing with that wound and persisting on i i thought those were good scenes but i think you still could have just given some sort of consequence to that character or to josh i think josh josh brolin's really the person who needs some kind of consequence because he's just the long-haired sandal wearing paramilitary guy who gets away with everything i think his consequence is waiting in the wings after the movie ends where like his buddy is just like what the fuck are you doing you're killing us right now don't bring that girl with us and i th- and he's like we'll fucking deal with it blah blah, blah cuz he knows at the end of the day they're in charge like uh there's a line in a movie uh where it's like somebody says i can't remember what movie it is but pretty much somebody does something oh it's uh, inglorious bastards brad pitt and they're like they're going to kill you for not following orders and blah 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 and i won't get specific for spoilers in inglorious bastards he says kill me nah you know, like I'll oh, get, I'll get, I'll get, they'll chew my ass yeah. on, but I haven't chewed out before. It's yeah. like I'm at the top of the totem pole right yeah. now. When the Secretary of Defense needs dirty shit done, he has me come to his office to talk to him personally. It's like yeah. I can get away yeah. with this, and I think that that was Benicio del Toro's character's plan. Was if I can, if this goes south and I can't get her into Texas, if I die trying to do this, Josh Brolin's gonna know, like. This was something that was really important to this dude who I thought of at the very least as a very close comrade in arms, a soldier, a fellow soldier, day of the soldado. Um, and I think that that's, that is his consequence. And he understands he's like, I've pushed this too far, but if I can, if my death can mean that this, this girl can at least make it out and have a fighting chance, I'll go for it. The fact that he does survive then is kind of just like, well, I guess I'll just keep on trucking. And, it, and you're right, Jack. It does diminish the value of the sacrifice. But I also think it's kind of clever and cool. But again, just not handled in... It's not communicated in a way that is like memorable and, and really cool. That's the thing is when we talk about these ideas that the movie is putting forward, they're, they're, there's value in them. But I just don't know if it's communicating any of them well right. enough to actually the, work. The simple pitch of there is a group of people who work for the U.S. government that will do the dirty shit that the government can't do legally. And in this movie, they have to incite a war with the cartels. Does that sound like a cool pitch to you guys? Mm-hmm. What's all this other fucking shit they're putting in the movie? Like, what is uh, all this other stuff that they're putting in the movie? Like, I, It's trying to do the, the Americans realizing that we're being terrorists in these countries that we're afraid of terrorists coming from. Lean into that I, harder. I think that know? that's very like, much... What they're trying to do, they're just not very good. They're not very tactful at communicating it subversively. They're trying to be subversive, and all of their subversive stuff is just kind of like not 
coming through. I mean, even the beginning of the movie is telling you how unintelligible it's going to be. Because one of the things they keep saying is just like, there's no rules this time. Whereas if you, in the first movie, in Sicario, like they bring up how there's rules, there's rules, we have rules, you can't break these rules. And one of the things... That the one of the reasons that Emily Blunt's character is associated with like their group is because they need her as like an officer to give them the kind of legal leeway. Yeah, to she's, do what a, doing. She, she she's a she she is a disposable object exactly. Which is Sicario is so good because like me and Robbie were talking about before because of the gender politics that yes. they are extremely subversively talking about. And the first time I watched it, I kind of caught on to some of that, but a friend of mine mentioned to me. And there's a bunch of articles online written about it, too, that really kind of further dive into it. And so then I went and watched it again, and I was like, this is a great movie, because it uses the idea of sexual assault or um, rape, not so much as an inciting incident or as a literal thing, but as a metaphor, as a thematic structure. And the entire movie is about a woman a professional woman in a professional field constantly being belittled and agency taken away from her and lied to and mistreated time and time again and mm-hmm. used as this disposable object yeah. by these very powerful men who think that their means are more important than hers and leading up to the very end where like uh, her, her, um, I guess like you don't know if he's gay. Daniel Kaluuya's character in the movie comes he across. He has a wife, doesn't he? Hey, they go to like a very well-known gay bar at one point in it that he says he goes to a lot, and uh-huh. that's where John Bernthal goes there. I don't. I think it's explicitly not said because that would kind of be tactless. Hmm. And but they do. Uh, they they do say that he's kind of wimpy, and uh, like all the other people like around him, Josh Brolin and everybody, they pick on him and stuff like that. They're like, "Oh, you're not cut out for this. You're too green," kind of thing. And at one point at the end, they push him down and they say, "Just lie there and take it. It'll be over soon." When they're talking about, you don't agree with what we're doing over in Mexico. But it's going to happen. Just lie there and take it. Mm-hmm. And that's very much like that's 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 the language of rape, of sexual assault. And that's what makes the movie so interesting because it's talking about all of these things very delicately and super smartly in an intellectual way while also giving you like a great Josh Brolin performance, a great Benicio Del Toro performance, a great Emily Blunt performance great John Bernthal performance and a really yep. cool, thrilling, kind of horror, scary uh, espionage story. The first Sicario movie is is, uh, is, a, is a horror movie in a lot of ways. The way the first Sicario opens is them oh. tearing open the walls of a house to find 40 dead bagged bodies. Like, that's some shit. I showed, yeah, I showed that to Diana shit. a couple yeah. weeks yeah, ago. She shit. was like, what the fuck is this? Is this like a horror movie? And I was like... And the beginning, like, and the thing is, like, uh, there's some big shooty bang bang moments in that movie, too. But the first, like, real death that happens in that movie has a lot of weight to it. Because Emily Blunt, like, dodges a shotgun blast and kills this dude. And it has, like, a ton of weight behind it. Mm Because she's like, I didn't want to have to do that. And then kind of the horror and the nightmare ensues after that. Yeah, like her PTSD and stuff. I mean, it's The Guest and Terminator. These are horror movies that utilize the action genre to kind of subversively tell a horror, a classic horror tale. Absolutely. And Sicario does that in spades, probably even better than those other two different genres that they're dealing with for different, different strokes. Totally. I mean, this, I think Sicario one is much more of like the thriller. Um, I guess the other two are thrillers as well. Uh, Sicario is a different beast um, because of Denis, but um, sweet Denis, sweet Denis, we love you, Denis. But the thing is, thank you for listening. I think like 
when you get to Sicario 2, you're just stripping down the things that Denis did for that movie and you're boiling it down to the thing that I told you I don't like. I don't like paramilitary narratives about busting drug lords and that's all this movie is. There's a little bit of a twang about maybe Americans being terrorists in other nations and that's pretty much all you get. And it's problematic. Like It does not make for an interesting narrative. Yeah. <sighs> Got any other bones to pick boys about this film? I uh, I want to talk about the scene where they have kidnapped Isabel. Mm-hmm. They bring her to Texas, right? They bring her across the border after they kidnap her in Mexico. Where was she already in Texas? No, she was in Mexico. They bring because she's like, "Am I in Texas?" Yeah, yeah. So they bring her to Texas because she's like, "How could these people get me across the border?" Right into Texas. That's the first thing that makes her go like. What's going on here? Right. And then the plan is to bring... I just don't understand. I I missed the point of what their plan was because they were bringing her back into Mexico with the convoy. And they like had an agreement with some Mexican official seemingly to bring her back. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the Mexican officials turn like we're going to turn, well, turn her to the police. The- they were going to say that the DEA because it, it was kind of a win-win. They they frame a rival cartel for kidnapping her, and then the DEA comes in. So they have the cartels warring with each other. Got what they need done, but now cherry on top. They can also have the Americans are the ones that found her and returned her to the Mexican army that give her back to Reyes, which will also bring the army in. Will bring Reyes into the Mexican army's like scope, and they can kind of see. Well, how much control does he have of the army and the police kind of thing? I th- That's what they were going for, I'd imagine. But like, they didn't already, want to kill her. That wasn't the initial no, idea. They I wanted to get her back. So. And but that's the way to get her back with like diplomatic immunity. And then it's a rival cartel that is in control of the Mexican police that turns on them? Why the people attack them? Yes. There's another cartel that is attempting to kidnap her. Right. So um, they're trying to... Uh, because, remember the, the scene in the food court, the guy says, he's like, we need to do this fast because people are going to catch on that it wasn't a rival cartel because somebody who, if a cartel did it, somebody's going to talk. And if nobody hears anything, they're going to know the Americans did that it. it was a and they job. waited too long to get her back over there. And they're just, and now the cartel, and he says like, there's no secrets in Mexico, that kind of thing. He's like, they already know you need to get her back over there as fast as possible mm-hmm. before they can prove that you have her. Right. And that's, I think that's what that whole thing was. But Somewhere it's, in there. I, again, I, I, it's very muddled. It's and, very muddled. Yeah, I yeah, lost yeah. the thread yeah. in there. I, I, I wouldn't fault anybody for not catching on to that. I was a little confused. So I thought that like Reyes uh, just didn't take shit and he owned the police and he was just like, you take the girl. Don't let them deliver it like halfway yeah. through. Just There's these them. very boring looking scenes with people just talking. Oh, yeah. That in Sicario, there's a bunch of like scenes with people just talking and like giving each other like pleasant exposition in like a really kind of fun uh way but it's shot in a way that's engaging and it makes you pay attention in this scene it's just like shorter just fucking sitting in a food court yeah and they're telling you like a very important piece of information that's going to hinge the next like 15 minute set piece on they must have built that food court because they went back there a lot in that food court they go back to that food food court like four or five times in this movie they could have just like Bird said they just had like 
they, they're like, we have to film all these scenes in one day. We only have access to this mall for like one night or something. Well, which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about is, which we haven't touched on at all, the side story that comes back uh, into the, the plot with, with the coyote. Coyote. The coyote. Yeah, that's what you call them, like people that traffic. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, you were I speaking metaphorically. Yes. I thought you were speaking literally. I was well, like, with the, coyote. With the, no, with the American kid that is yes. that becomes part of the cartel because his cousin is a coyote that traffics people across the border. That was, I was going to say when you said that, like, there's no real, like, empathetic characters. Like, I did kind of feel bad for that kid. Take that away from you real quick. Uh, well, that's, the the whole, that's why I feel bad for him because it's like... I'm not given enough to really understand what he's coming from. But again, I think yeah. the movie is trying to say it's like, and again, it could seem very propaganda-ish at first where they're kind of commenting on gangbangers and stuff like that in America. And it's like, we're first, in, after seeing all of this propaganda looking stuff, we're introduced to a nice, um, like a, a Latino family and just like a boy going to school with his younger siblings. And you're like, oh good, is this going to be like a good scenario like these are people too and it's like no he's getting involved in some weird shit he's reminiscent like, of the of the boy who's the son of the police officer in the first sicario his whole plot is like the very same. much the police officer yeah. thing where it's like this kind of like intangible beeline story that is eventually that comes to, to a head up. by the end mm-hmm. yeah and i did like how it kind of like dodged and swerved and how it did meet up because when when you do realize, like, oh, that's how they're he's going to try and get out, and he's going to recognize him yeah. because he saw him. I do like that reveal. That, that was a good reveal. That is because you don't know what's going to happen. It's a stronger element of the movie to have that like subplot and the way that they seed it and then kind of grow that seed uh, into a blossoming plot flower. Does pot flower? Pot flower nice. uh, pot <laughs> works works I like pretty pot well. Flower, pot, is it? Yeah, plot flower. Um, like kind of like is very interesting, especially when he recognizes um, Benicio's character. Yep. Um, and then having him be What's the one goddamn to name? shoot Alejandro. him. Alejandro. Alejandro is this goddamn. I keep, yeah. keep calling. I keep calling him Benicio del Toro's character, and it's just because I, I don't even I know don't Josh Brolin's character's name at all. Matt. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Matt, Matt Graver. Matt Sandalboy. They said that enough in the movie. You didn't. You didn't pick up on the fact oh that his fucking, fucking name was Matt Graver. They say I, it like every scene. I, that I literally see uh, Cable and Thanos just every time I look at his fucking face now. Josh, Josh Brolin is working a, hard. Having a good yeah. year. Uh-huh. Having He's having a, a good very year. Because Sicario 2 is probably not going to do like gangbusters, but it's probably going to do favorably well. He's, He's going to have, in, have a strong movies. He's already in a billion dollar movie and I don't know how well Deadpool 2 did. Deadpool, Deadpool 2, 2 did very well. Very did well almost, it did almost as good as Infinity War. That's why people are just like, we're going yeah. to Fuck you. That's not true. I think it did really well. It's not true. I don't even have to check. Well, it might be the highest grossing R-rated superhero I mean, movie. sure. Deadpool I'll 1. I'll give you that. Did, but like, <laughs> it did not do as good as Infinity War. Deadpool 1 did extremely well. Did yeah. Deadpool 2 do anywhere near as well as Deadpool 1? Probably about Similarly, as good, if not a little bit like, better. He's but He's like, doing pretty good. I yeah. don't think it's like crossing the billion dollar territory. No. I mean, he's also going to be... Reoccurring roles for those characters for Dude, probably Disney quite some with time. this fucking oof, with Marvel and Star Wars and their own p- stuff and Pixar like Incredibles two, Infinity War, Ant Man and Wasp coming up real soon, The Last Jedi and Solo. Solo being a box office bomb, it's still like doesn't they really don't matter. fucking care. Yeah, it doesn't they're matter. just like wait, we'll fly. Well, they we do care. Fucking care. Apparently, they do well, care. Now they, they care about they Solo. Put all the rest of the Star Wars story movies on hold, except for maybe Boba Fett. That might be the one that's still getting. Well, yeah, but that's just like you know, you go to a place like 
you go to a place and you get you get your wallet lifted off of you. You don't go like, well, I'm not going to go to that place anymore. Now, when you go to that place, you keep your cash in like another pocket. Like they're not like, I'm never going to do that again. They're like, well, now hold on, let's, let's rethink let's this re-evaluate. standalone they're, stuff. And they're maybe take it from another angle. They're hitting the drawing board again with those movies. Uh, it's funny. I wrote that Star Wars article and it was like immediately outdated. Like yeah, you, I was just like, God, it's still a very good article, and I think it. I think you it really, speaks. People to should definitely check that out. Actually, not even as a plug because you're here. I think that that is like a really good article that's very humble and and very accepting of everybody's opinions on where Star Wars is right now, and it's a good refresher. There was stuff in there that even I didn't know, and so, I like to think of myself as like a healthy Star Wars nerd. It's um, it's informative, and if you're curious as to like some of the stuff. That, th- that was in development before the news happened. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I touch on that. But besides the Star Wars talk. Um, all right. Is there any other kind of talking points you guys want to bring up on Sicario 2 or 1? Whatever. I'll see Sicario 3. Yeah. Movie, well, let's, it, let's talk it, about the ending real that, quick. It's not that great. But yeah. it didn't burn me on Sicario. It takes nothing away from the original, which no. I love. You know, like... Some movies, some originals are so good. It doesn't matter how how, how I, many Hollywood I actually like the first Sicario more than in, I've had a roller coaster of a day because I watched both movies. But I'm actually a lot hotter on the first Sicario now after watching the second because mm. I'm just like, oh wow, this is actually like a very standalone piece of work. It kind of shows you how hard it is to make a movie like Sicario. Absolutely. What I just think, think it's coming from a good place in that it wants to be subversive and talk about these things and talk about the way that the American government is is a, often a dangerous player in these things and often does way more damage with foreign policy than good. Um, but I think it is at risk. The film itself is at, is at risk of doing more damage than good by... Yeah. Trying to be subversive, but not actually accomplishing what it's trying to say or communicating it well enough to actually like convey that message in a way that broad audiences will pick up on it. And I think and learn things, a lesson. And from, I think the things yeah. that the broad audiences might take away is it's like, oh, this is this is Mission Impossible, except with the American government trying to like do coups in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like, and I I think like. I don't know. I think there's a risk. I think you have to be really fucking careful when you deal with sub- subject matter like this, especially in the current political climate that we live in, where we're in like a post-truth society where narratives can be sp- like narratives can be spun. When Donald Trump can retweet David Lynch being critical of him as David Lynch pra- praising him, you know, you have to be really fucking careful with everything you say. And I just don't think this movie is saying what it wants to say, which I think it wants to say something from a good place. I don't think it's saying it well enough that it's it might not be received in a way that is ultimately damaging to uh, the greater discourse. I think it's playing it safe for a wider audience and a wider audience of people who you can't play going, it safe. You you yeah. cannot play it safe when you're talking about yeah, stuff. Like no, this. I agree. I don't think that it's trying to play it safe. I think that it really just it thinks that it's getting its point across, it's and it's just not. really not. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it's trying to say, and I think we all agree in the things that we've talked about and what it might be attempting to really kind of communicate. Inherently good. I think that yeah. like, and I think we can agree like that is what the movie is kind of like retroactively attempting to do with immigration and like the idea of like America as a superpower being the most powerful terrorist organization in the world and being a very um, 
uh, like terrorist fearing nation as well is kind of, uh, ironic and hyperbolic. Right. And I think that they are trying to communicate that. And I think that that's a really fun idea to talk about in a espionage thriller. I think that at the end of the day, maybe could have used an extra year in pre-production, touching up that script a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think, honestly, it being related to Sicario is just very fucking weird. I think this movie would have had a way better chance of connecting with us if there were new characters mm-hmm. that we could learn about. Because we don't learn anything about these characters. I everything I, we learn is like disagree. is coming from Sicario. Is like everything I know about Josh Brolin's character being a bad guy. It's from Sicario. It's from Sicario. Yeah. It's, in this, they're giving me reasons that he's still a bad guy. But it's like, I've seen people in like Zero Dark Thirty and the Hurt Locker do like really bad things too, but they're still like for the greater good kind of thing. And this movie never really kind of touches on the fact that like, no, these are bad people and what they're doing is bad, not just on a metaphysical thematic level that they're being revealed to. It's that what they are doing, if you torture people, if you blow up people's brothers one by one to try and find out why one ship went through. And revel in it. And revel in it. Uh, you're, you're a bad, bad person. person. Yes. You're a bad person. Yes. And you shouldn't be rewarded with ultimate uh, immunity, which is what is inferred at the end of the movie for Josh Brolin's and, character, Matt, Matt Graver. And in that scene where he is torturing that person by... Blowing up his family members with a drone strike when there are people in the back of the movie theater laughing. Yeah. The movie is failing in its message. Yeah. And that was very, very upsetting. It was very upsetting. Um, so that's our discussion about uh, Sicario Day of the Soldado. There you go. Uh, the movie ends with uh, another narrative that will just be... Uh, was it uh, Benicio Del Toro, Alejandro telling the young boy who shot him in the face, hey, you want to be a hitman? I guess I'll teach you. There's no real reason for me to ever tell. There's no motivation behind that move at all, but that's how the movie ends. Yeah, he almost killed him. I guess he kind of respects him. I don't know. I don't know. As someone who uh, became into the hitman business because someone killed his family, you would think maybe he'd want to be out. I don't know. Maybe and I'm again, crazy. that's the redundancy and hypocrisy of his character, even in the first one. Yeah, I guess you're it's right. just like he's kind of these terrible things it. happen to you, and so your way to do that is to inflict more terrible things on other people's families, well, regardless he, of whether or not. Well, they're bad. in the first movie, the way they pitched it, which is why I thought it was so weird, he's even in this movie because the way they pitched it in the first movie was he doesn't give a fuck about what your plans is. He's just trying to get closer to the people that killed his family, mm-hmm. and then he kills them, and then you think he's good. Yeah, the whole first one is like the idea of creating a coup is getting him in there to he's do a, what he's got He's a do. loose cannon. He just works with you because it gets him close to what he needs. <laughs> this movie, it almost makes no sense why they call him up and be like, hey, can you do more Hitman stuff? He's like, I guess. Well, because the guy worked for Reyes. It's sequel shit. Like, you kind of got to go along with that. But right. yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. All right. So that's our discussion about uh, Sicario. This is our discussion about Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. There's no 2 in the name. I, I added it in there. Sicario colon. It shouldn't even be called Sicario. Anyway. Uh, thank you so much. It should just be called Soldado. It really it should. should. just be I called will Soldado. Refer to it. This is going to be uh, We're doing this? a live, die, repeat. Okay. Instead of calling it Edge of Tomorrow, everybody calls it live, die, repeat. So we're going to call this name. Soldado. This is Soldado. That's the name of it. And maybe it's it will already, be better being called already so, I'm already way more into the movie now. It's way better. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hot Takes. This is not the only podcast we have on Story Screen. We have a host of other shows on our website where we cover uh, movies, 
of your uh, movies of current, TV shows of now, TV shows of your, TV we shows to do of movies drunk. Of tomorrow. We went to the future and did it's episodes. Coming back. Oh, we're like taste of movies tomorrow's. Oh, yes, yeah. Samplies. Yeah, no, yeah. That uh, that's coming back, baby. We have a lot of shows here. Yeah, yeah. J- Diana's gonna be hosting. Have you guys seen the trailer for uh, Mission Impossible Fallout? Jesus fucking Christ! Is that the down with the sickness? Is that the one from a couple years ago with Honey uh, No, no. It's uh, climbing up the side of the building. It's uh, actually coming out in a. Uh, painful 30 days from today. You still that, wish we had that original trailer. That yeah. just means we have to see that movie. We're probably... Realistically, I'm probably going to have to watch that Mission Impossible trailer four times. At least four, four, say, at least four, four times. times. Yeah, I think it's four more times. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think at this point, no joke, I'm not over-exaggerating. I've probably seen not one specific version of that Mission Impossible trailer, but like the mission a mission impossible trailer 12 times they started advertising that very early oh yeah it's it's like valerian i was really surprised to find that it was coming out in july i was like the i've been watching that trailer in theaters like since february like what are you talking about i feel like yeah probably um well we'll definitely see it uh next week when we do ant-man and the wasp uh (laughs) you know that show is gonna be in there you know it is all it's right. been before every other movie. That I wish they'd bring back the original one. That one was so much better. It was way better. It See? Is be- it is better. See? No, it's not good. Dude, that's... A, no, it is good. It's a good trailer. It's favorite to watch movie of the year so watch any, the first Mission Impossible Fallout trailer. Any trailer is good once, maybe twice, definitely not 12 times. So if you want to hear us talk more about revenue trailers, we'll have another show where we do that coming at you soon. Um, Jack, you're good at this. What are the social media tags that people can find us at? On Instagram, we are story underscore screen underscore beacon. On Twitter, we are story underscore screen. And on Facebook, just fucking story screen Google beacon. It, I guess story I don't, screen beacon. Story screen beacon. Yeah. Story screen beacon. Oh no, go on Facebook. That's where we share all of our articles okay. and our events and stuff like that. Don't we message. Really don't cool message your racist out. aunt. Come talk to us about movies. Yeah, that's what Facebook. But uh, yeah. hey, if you listen to the show and you like the show, please tell your friends about the show as well. Yeah. Like we don't. Oh yeah. We don't advertise the and show also anywhere. We just talk to us because we would love to have more interaction with our fans. Yes, add us, please. Um But also, you know. Tell me why you think The Last Jedi is bad. I want to listen. I don't do... Don't... Come on, <laughs> What are you doing? I mean, we're that conversation's to, almost over, but... We're almost, we're almost there. We're uh, going to be doing that conversation until the day we fucking die. Go on StoryScreenBeacon.com and buy some merch, buy a fucking t-shirt. Thank you again so check much for Check out Rob's Star Wars article Please on check out my Star Wars article. There's a bunch of other articles, reviews, and and others of the like from some very talented other other people. Um, check out Bernard at CV Podcast. That's also on there. Basically, just go on. We make wherever. a lot of shit. We make a lot we of shit. A lot we of cover shit. a lot of stuff. Okay. Everybody, anybody who even remotely likes movies will like our stuff. So get it. Just get it. Get it. Unless they don't like swearing. We do that a lot. We, we swear. Oh, we don't fucking swear that much. Mm. We fucking swear a decent amount. Fuck. Fuck. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time. Peace. Sicario 2, A Day in Saldano?
Should probably double check that. I don't think it's a day in Saldano. It's not? No. Day of the Salado? That sounds more more like it. It's Day of the Soldier, but in yeah, Spanish. Salado, I think. Oh, is that what it is? Sicario. Day of the Salado. Day of the Soldier. Okay. Sicario. Sol- soldado. 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 Alright, you guys ready to do this? I guess. 